athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. When I was young, me and my mama had beef. You're tuned in to the Dopey Show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. This may be the Mother's Day anthem, one of the great Mother's Day songs of all time. Happy Mother's Day weekend, by the way, to all the wonderful mothers out there. Dear Mama by Tupac. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't get much more to the point than that. And, um, you know, I've got some really good, wonderful memories about my mother who has gone on now to glory. has been gone on to glory now for about 23 years um, or so. But um, for those that um, still have your mother or able to spend time with your mother, definitely uh, enjoy her. And if you have any thoughts, any any great memories of your mother, hit us up via Twitter at Boxtoro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook. B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, as um, most of our music today is going to be mothers uh, or dedications to mothers or songs about mothers today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You know, I I, I can just remember my mother being extremely strong, um, very, you know, very to the point. She had certain beliefs in the in in the manner in which she raised us was very to the point with great principles and great morals and that's overall the the great things that I remember about her and it is uh you know definitely uh she I would say definitely has rubbed off on me throughout the course of my career in terms of the things that she believed in principle principles morals um, ways in which you rear children um, today. I think we've gotten a lot, uh, gotten away from a lot of moral things. I, I mean, I don't want to sit on a high horse or anything like that, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, you know, there is an old school way that you, in fact, um, that children were reared, and you know, children at a young age learn not to jump into adult conversations or not be a part of adult conversations just as an example you didn't typically anyway uh certainly me growing up us growing up didn't talk back to your parents more specifically your mother in this instance i don't know i just think we've gotten away from some of those type of things but if you have a favorite memory of your mother hit us up via twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w or on facebook b-o-x the number two r-o-w plenty to talk about today here on the program, let me set the table for you. Some of our guests are going to be joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Ben Hall is the head baseball coach at North Carolina A&T. The Aggies, 27-22 and 22 on the season, got a weekend tilt, a three-game uh, series 
with Florida A&M. As a matter of fact, they played Florida A&M also on Monday. The Rattlers came to Greensboro, and the Aggies sent the Rattlers back home with a 10-2 loss. But this is a pivotal matchup because you're talking about both teams right now being 14-7 and in conference play. So this is going to be a game that's going to, or a series, that in fact is going to decide the Southern Division crown in baseball. And I mean, this A&T program under Ben Hall, who's in his fourth season, ha- has made tremendous strides. I mean, when you think about this program, even during the 2016 season, which was his second season, not very good. And then last year, I mean, they had a really, really good team. But to me, it was one of those things where they made such a grump and had a uh, jump and had been such a bad program quite frankly uh for a number of years that you know it doesn't work that way where you have you're a bad program then you have a really good season and then you win the MEAC tournament championship it generally doesn't work that way that's what happened to A&T last year as a matter of fact it didn't really happen to A&T I mean but Dylan Cookman just had a really really good season I mean they had a tremendous season a season in which they made history by making it to the regional championship game they defeated I mean they almost I mean they played Florida very tough and won some games along the way but A&T right now poised to try and win the Southern Division crown but they got the Rattlers in their win the Rattlers are having a solid season also again a 14 and 7 record in conference play Ben Hall in his fourth season as the head baseball coach at North Carolina A&T, going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today on the program, you've heard this song called Hardaway, um, and it's by Derez Deshaun. Well, on today's program, the real Penny Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. About a month ago, he was named as the new head men's basketball coach at Memphis, an NBA legend, had some really good seasons, four-time All-Star. His career and, and, and the greatness of him was really cut short by injuries. Otherwise, he would have had, I mean, even... His days in Orlando were really good days, but then those days in Phoenix weren't bad either, but injuries just beset him. But now he's going to be running the basketball program at his alma mater when he played there was Memphis State, now the University of Memphis. So Penny Hardaway going to join us today here on the program. Want to talk plenty of NBA also here on the program. I tell you what, we, we, we have... Essentially, the matchups that we thought we would have in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, I, I, I don't think that we, especially when you talk about the Eastern Conference matchup between the Celtics and the Cavaliers or the matchup of the Seas, I, I don't think that we saw that we would get, we knew both of these teams would be there, but it's the way that they got there, like we thought the Celtics definitely were going to be at this point because they they had just traded for Gordon Hayward. They had uh, Kyrie Irving. I mean, they had a really, really good team. And then the, 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 even the Cavaliers. I mean, the Cavaliers had, you know, Isaiah Thomas coming in and they were supposed to have a really uh, a good season. Well, both teams actually had good seasons. Um, we thought they'd finish one and two. They actually finished, the Celtics finished second and the Cavaliers finished uh, third 
So it wasn't the one and two that we thought, and we probably thought it was going to be Cleveland one and Boston two, but it ended up being Boston two and Cleveland three. But no matter how we got here, we did get to this point. So we're also going to talk plenty of NBA. And then on the other side, um, you know, we, I mean, listen, the Houston is playing extremely well. We know what Golden State can do. They're the defending NBA champions. I don't think that Houston is going to win this series um, against the Rockets. But with that being said, I mean, I think they're going to be ultra competitive. I think we're talking a lot about LeBron James and his greatness, but not we're not talking enough about the greatness of Chris Paul. If you saw uh, game five against Utah and what Chris Paul, I mean, he took it back to his youth. He you know, in that fourth quarter, he must have hit, I don't know, six or seven shots in a row. One of those shots was a bank shot off a step back off the the right wing on a three-pointer. It was an unbelievable shot. And so Chris Paul has, has played dynamite as well. We're not talking enough about Chris Paul and how he has helped to lead the Rockets. I mean, listen, this is a Rockets team that, I mean, for the most part, was was the same team that we saw last year in terms of some of the other players. I mean, obviously you have Harden there, but you talk about Ariza and uh, Nene and some of these other guys, and then you add Chris Paul to that element, a a a, a definite Hall of Famer, um, and a guy that can still play. Yeah, he's up there in age; he's 33 years old, but he's a guy that can still play. And he has made all the difference in the world on this team. And I can remember, you know, even we had the conversation on this program. Could uh, these two players, Chris Paul and James Harden, play together? Well, you know, my thought back then when the trade was made is, I mean, yeah, of course they're going to be able to play together. They're going to make it work, and they've made it work. And I think Chris Paul um, has been super accommodating, if you will, because I think he realizes that this is James Harden's team. But he has come on, and I mean, I don't want to say he's been a complimentary piece. I think they've both been 1A players, if you will. They've both been 1A players. They've done different things at different times for this team. Obviously, you know, James Harden has been more of that guy, more of the scorer. And, I mean, he's definitely, in my opinion, the league's MVP this year, although you could obviously give it to LeBron and the season that LeBron has had, which has been a tremendous season. Also want to talk a little bit about the um, Dwayne Casey and, you know, a lot of people are, are, are calling either calling for him to be fired or suggesting that he could be fired. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely ludicrous. He's been named the coach of the year. I mean, listen, it just didn't work out. They ran into, I don't know what, I don't know if Casey or the Raptors could have done a whole lot more than what they did. I mean, you know, I mean, Listen, they ran into LeBron James. They ran into Kevin Love, who also stepped up his game. They they ran into a J.R. Smith. I said this either last week or a couple of weeks ago that he was going to have to play well and be an X factor, and he definitely stepped up. And then I also mentioned Jeff Green last week. Well, you know, because I mean, Jeff Green was, you know, at one point was a twenty point a game scorer in this league. And he's a guy that stepped up as well. So it's not 
LeBron James and the others. This is if this is yeah, LeBron James is is definitely getting it done. He had that great bank shot to win the game for the Cavaliers. I mean, it's no question about it, but he's definitely got some guys that have come to play. So we're going to dive into that, amongst other things today, here on the program. Again, happy Mother's Day weekend. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We always want you to participate. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of those listening to us on our great affiliates Around the country that carry from the press box to press row. I mean, you know, the WGBNs in Pittsburgh of the world, the WAUG Power 750, WAUG uh, in Raleigh, WNAA uh, in Greensboro, WTAL in Tallahassee, uh, all of the great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row, those listening to us on Sirius XM. Channels 141 and 142. Want to give a big shout out to our truck drivers that listen to us on Sirius XM Channel 141 or 142 and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Again, share a mother's a, a, a memory of your mother today here on the program. Um, again, it's a Mother's Day weekend. We celebrate Mother's. Uh, as we, I mean, you know, they, they should, they deserve more than one day, but we celebrate whether there's mother, grandmother, aunt, whatever the case may be. Tell me about a memory that you have or, or what your mother meant to you in your life via Twitter, box to row, B O X T O R O W or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. We got Penny Hardaway coming up next. You're listening to From the Press but Box to Press Row. I was just in New York in the home. Look at my star. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. So they put me over, coming with it. They took my heart away. Pouring liquor for my dick and it gone. Thug holiday. Don't pin it hard away. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We are joined, as a matter of fact, by a four-time All-Star and a coach, as a matter of fact. About a month ago, he was named the new head men's basketball coach at Memphis. He is Penny Hardaway. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I'll call you Coach Hardaway. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So when you, yeah, absolutely. So when you hear that, I mean, you've been coaching, so you've been coaching at the high school level for quite some time there in Memphis, and we'll talk more about that. But what comes to your mind when you hear Coach Hardaway of Memphis? Uh, <laughs> it seems unreal. Um, I've been coaching for like the last eight years, but never been called the head coach of the University of Memphis, and uh, that's an amazing feeling when I hear that. Yeah, and you know what I should have said since we 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 have. The, the Hardaway song playing Derez Deshaun. I, I know you're still hip. Do you like? Are you are you a fan of that song? Yeah, I am a fan of that song. It's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when you first yeah when you first heard it, what did you think? I thought it was amazing. You know, I've um I've been a part of some songs, a couple of lines, but not the entire song. Be uh have my name in it and and, uh, and be named after me. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. So I want to get your thoughts on the playoffs and what we're seeing to this point. I mean, obviously you played a, a limit. You played a limited time against. I mentioned a four-time All-Star, a limited time against LeBron James. But I want to get your thoughts on what we're seeing from LeBron James right now. Uh, we're just saying pure, pure greatness. Uh, he understands the moment. He understands this time of the year. He's won so much. He's been in so many different scenarios. He's been on the winning side. He's been on the losing side. So through all of that experience, all we're saying is greatness from what he has had happen to him in his career up until now. I mean, he's shooting the ball great. He's uh, controlling the game. He's rebounding. He's, you know, he's an assist guy. But, I mean, he's doing everything possible not to allow his team to lose. And uh, that's the greatness that he's showing us right now. Yeah, no question about it. For you, you played just last maybe about 12 years ago or so. Can you kind of speak to, I know you still follow the game. You've done a lot in high school, obviously now on the college level also. Can you speak to how the game has changed in just the 12 years since the last time you played? Yeah, it's uh, it's more offensive game. Uh, when I was playing, it was it was kind of changing towards that, but teams still have more pride in defense. Uh, the game has gotten much younger. It's, it's, it's so much younger than what it was when I was in the game, you know, because teams really relied on veterans. You don't have any many that many veterans anymore. The veterans now are like 25, 26. When I played, they were 36, 37, 38, and they were valuable to the team. Uh, and then there's just more more going on with social media than there, there's ever happened, even when I was playing. So uh, it's just it's an amazing turn of what um, – you know, David Stern handed over to Adam Silver, and he's taking it to another level. NBA legend Penny Hardaway, also the new head men's basketball coach at Memphis, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And for you, Penny, or Coach Hardaway, what made this the right – how did the process come about? Had you put your name in the hat? Obviously, you're an alum of what was then Memphis State, now the University of Memphis. Had you put your name in the hat for this head coaching position? Uh, actually, a couple years ago, when Josh Pastner left the University of Memphis to go to Georgia Tech, uh, there was an opening for a second, and I kind of threw my name out there a couple years ago, but I really wasn't 100% all in on going. I just kind of threw it out there to kind of see, and, um, you know, nothing really, you know, transpired. I really didn't push it hard enough. And I think when it came up again this year, I was the timing was perfect on it, and uh, when they said that they weren't going to keep Coach Smith, and I was like, okay, the time is perfect. I'm ready for the job. And then I went after it. Yeah, isn't it more special because this is your alma mater? Absolutely. I mean, this is it's come full circle to be a player and then to uh, to come back and, and to become a coach. It's nothing that I foresaw, you know, when I was playing. But it's it's still a great a great situation for me to have it come full circle to be coaching right now. What I think you may have alluded to it, but what you mentioned throwing your name in the hat a couple of years ago, what made now, 2018, the right moment to come back and lead your alma mater? Well, the city the city was in dire need. The school was in dire need. Uh, we hadn't gone to the NCAA tournament in three years. Um, and I really felt like I could make a difference at this moment right now. I felt like I could recruit the talent that it was going to take for us to get back to the um, – to the position where we wanted to get back to. Uh, the University of Memphis has done a great job over the last 20, 30 years of always being in that running, uh, being in the top 25 and, and having some great talent going to the NBA. And I felt like the timing was perfect now for me to go on and, uh, and try to get it back to where it used to be.
Sure. What is your can you kind of speak maybe to your recruiting class? I know you've been been in there, you know, about a month or so, maybe less than a month, actually. What what is what does that recruiting class look like for you? We've got a really uh, a really nice recruiting class, to be honest with you. We have scoring. We have toughness. We have athletes. We we covered We have shooters. We've covered every area that you cover as a coach. Uh, you know, for getting in the game, it's late that we got into the game. You know, we got in there, man, late, late signing period, and we only had a couple weeks to a, a month, month and a half to try to get guys signed and to be able to pull off what we pulled off. Such a short time is is is, is awesome. You know, God really blessed us in those situations. But the class that's coming in is definitely going to leave a, a a huge impact on on the on the season and on the on the school before they leave. Penny Hardaway or Coach Hardaway joins us here on the program. You you know, you're really big in Memphis. I want to talk more about that. I'm not, you know, I don't I don't follow high school basketball that much, but there's I know you know this. Here's a kid out of Nashville. his name is escaping me, but plays at Brentwood. I think he's going to Vanderbilt. I mean, he, he would have yeah. been a kid you would have liked to have, right? Yeah, I mean, Darius is unbelievable. Yeah. Spectacular, fast, quick, he can shoot it. Great pick-and-roll player, great leader, won four straight championships in a row. Who doesn't want a kid that's a winner? He's a winner. And uh, Vanderbilt definitely got a great player in him. Yeah, does he Does he sort of – does he – I don't – I'm just – does he remind you of you a little bit when you when you were coming out of Memphis? Well, we had similar games. Um, he's not much taller than him, but as far as the um, the show that he puts on on a nightly basis, he, he he's very well aware of what he's doing when he's out there on the floor. And, and he tries to put a show on for the fans every night. That's what I can appreciate from him. He's, he's, uh, he's just a spectacular guy. What does what does having grown up in Memphis, played at then Memphis State, uh, to your point, come in full circle to now be the head coach um, at Memphis, but also coaching in, on the high school level in the Memphis scene, on the Memphis scene, can you speak to Memphis and what Memphis in the area means to you? Well, Memphis, is, it means everything to me. The city is the reason why I'm, I am who I am. Uh, they've been following me, supporting me, pushing me, uh, raising me, you know, since I was in like ninth grade pretty much and uh, a little puppy. And uh, I've been in the media ever since then. And to be able to be a part of this this great city who loves sports, loves basketball, uh, the University of Memphis is the heartbeat of the city, to be raised in that era, well, everybody loved the Tigers, and they kind of fade away a little bit. Uh, it was very disturbing, but to be from here and to be coaching, man, it means the world to me. Sure. A couple of last thoughts with uh, Penny Hardaway, and we appreciate the time. I mean, obviously a lot of guys are going to make the comparison to with Ben Simmons and maybe compare him a little bit to you from a size perspective, height perspective, the way he distributes the basketball. What do you think about his game right now and him moving forward? I love Ben's game. Uh, ben understands who he is. He understands that he's not a scorer. He doesn't want to score. Uh, he facilitates, rebounds, defends, and does everything well. He's a winner as well. You know, I think Ben won three straight uh, championships at Montverde Academy when he was in high school. So his, uh, his game now uh, is definitely the same as it was back then. He's a winner, and he has a solid game. He has to work on his jump shot. Everybody understands that, but as far as, like, you want him on your team. Because he's, he's relentless. Do you do you how do you remember finally those days uh, in the NBA? But even off the court with the the little penny commercials and all of that, that was a lot of fun. But not a, a lot of really good times. 
Oh yeah, you know Nike has done an unbelievable job uh, with my career, from my sneakers to the Little Penny commercials, everything that they've done for me. Nike's they they I, I couldn't ask I couldn't script it any better with the NBA career. Not only making it to the NBA, but having Nike right there to do the Little Penny ads and, and, and promote me the way that they did. And then lastly, your time in the NBA. Um, again, and then more notably, I, I like to say most notably, but more notably with the, the, the magic you and Shaq and you guys were able to make that run uh, for for a while. What most comes to your mind when you think about that? And do you have any any regrets about that time? Well, the thing that comes to mind with my time with Shaq in Orlando, it's amazing. That's the, that's the word because the entire time that I had an opportunity to play with the big fella, uh, it was magical, man. Really, no pun intended. It was just, it was amazing. It was a great run. Everywhere we went, the arenas were packed. Uh, we were both playing at high levels from the guard position and from the center position. And uh, it's just unfortunate that we didn't stay together. And that's the only thing that I really, I really uh, regret that we did not all stay together in Orlando. Again, he is the new head men's basketball coach at Memphis, NBA legend. He is the one and only Penny Hardaway. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row Penny or Coach Hardaway. We appreciate the time. Continued success with your program there at Memphis. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. So there you have it. Penny Hardaway joining us here on the program and uh, had a pretty solid recruiting class. As a matter of fact, he added a kid by the name of David Winget, who is from Nebraska, he's from Winnebago, Nebraska, but he played this last city at uh, last season, that is at Bull City Prep Academy uh, in Durham, North Carolina, right down the road, where he averaged 25.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, and two and a half blocks this past season. So his recruiting class includes um, forward center Isaiah Maurice, his son Jaden Hardaway, Tyler Harris, Antoine Jones. And Alex Lomax, and I, you know, again, I don't follow the the high school scene that well, but I mean, I think that Hardaway coming back to his alma mater is going to be able to do some really good things there. He's in that area. He knows Memphis well. Um, some good basketball there in Memphis also. So I think he's going to be able to do some big things at his alma mater. Memphis still to come here on from the press box to press row North Carolina A and T. Head baseball coach Ben Hall going to join us on the program. Plus, going to talk some NBA playoffs. We have the Eastern and Western Conference Finals taking place on Sunday and Monday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Plus, should Dwayne Casey is should Dwayne Casey be fired from Toronto? I'll have thoughts on that later. Up next, A&T head baseball coach Ben Hall. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row in his fourth season as the head baseball coach at North Carolina A&T is Ben Hall. The Aggies 27 and 22, 14 and 7 in MEAC play a, a very important three game weekend series against Florida A&M. The Southern Division is on the line as Ben Hall joins us here on from the press box to press row. Coach Hall, welcome back to the program. Uh, th- thank you, Donnell. Excited to uh to be at this point in the year and uh, look forward to chatting some baseball with you. I know our guys are uh, ready and excited to get down here to uh, Florida and uh, play an exciting series of baseball here. 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, you guys just coming off a win against Florida A&M. But I want to start here. I want to sort of take you back to last year because when you talk about last year, what a turnaround in 2017 as opposed to 2016. Um, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on turning the program around last year, and that's obviously uh, uh, it is carried over into this season. Yeah, well, we got a, we got a really good staff first. And our got a lot of respect and appreciation for our coaches and how hard they they're on the road. I mean, the, the hours people really understood what 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 a 365 day year for a college baseball coach is like. They would be shocked. So, uh, but our guys uh, put a ton of work in over the last two and a half to three years, uh, really putting this thing together. And I think last year was that that first glimpse of what can happen when you recruit hard and you compete for good players on the road and when you get them in and develop them. And I think this year is is a true vision of what happens when those players get in and get better. And that's that's really been the, uh, the story of this year, you know, versus last year. What you have, I mean, you've had some pretty big wins, you know, especially in non-conference. You've played well in non-conference. Can you speak to how uh, how well this team has played in non-conference and how you know some of those games have prepped you for conference play? Where again, right now you're fighting for that Southern Division crown. Right, I think really it's two parts. I mean, our we've got a pretty experienced team, and so a lot of the the names you're seeing there in the lineup or or, or starting or even coming out of the bullpen, uh, a bunch of those guys have have been in those games with without a conference opponent and been in the big you know, the big conference games over the last two years. And uh, I think experience has a big play in that. You know, they, they kind of know what to expect. And, you know, when we when we go into somebody else's park on a Tuesday, you know, there's not really that shock factor that may hit a first-time, first-year player. Um, and then, you know, making sure that we continue and I've continued to impress upon the guys that every game's important. You only get to play 53, 56 times, depending on how many games you're scheduling that year. And, you know, you don't get those games back. And, you know, you want to continue to build your program. Obviously, you want to win the MEAC championship and, and put yourself in an opportunity to, to go to a regional. But, you know, every game we play typically for us is in our area. And so, you know, you're you're competing with, with area and regional teams. It, it has recruiting implications. and um, and then it has implications on your overall record, and you want to you want to finish the year with with a record you can be proud of. And I, I think you know you got to treat every game with the highest uh, respect. Yeah, even though you lost to NC State nine to seven, who's really good, you took a series from St. Bonaventure. I mean, you've had some wins over App State, uh, you know, and some other wins on the season. Um, I want let, let me talk about a game. Another really good team is UNC who you lost to one to nothing, could that have been sort of a turning point? Because to that point, you'd only won a handful of games. You lose to UNC um, one to nothing, and, and from there, you guys have been pretty consistent in terms of winning. Yeah, I, th- I think it could have been. I, I think, you know, there's been a couple points in our season where you kind of could see the, the confidence level uh, take a step forward. I think uh, anytime you can go in and, and play an ACC opponent, like NC State and Chapel Hill, and and your guys can, you know, obviously want to win the game, and we let and our kids left the park frustrated. They they were mad that they didn't win those games, and I think, you know, that's when you when the kids they start looking around each other and they, you know, they fully expected to win those games. 
think that heightens the awareness and, and lets each other know, you know, how hard and, and how high our expectation level is of each other and, and what we're potentially capable of. And, and so, um, you know, the, the key is, you know, the motivation that, that that creates. Can you translate that into performance here down the stretch? And to our guys' credit, that they've really done that. And, and I think they've done it in all three phases of the game. Ben Hall is the head baseball coach at North Carolina A&T in his fourth season. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And, I mean, Coach Hall, you're, 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 uh, you're pitching 3.57 ERA, which is top 50 in all of Division One. You had a pretty good season. Can you speak to the, the pitching staff and, and how well it has done uh, in 2018? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, in Division One baseball, pitching makes the world go round. And when you look at the top teams in the country, the teams that are there every year have established uh, high-performing pitching staffs. And, um, you know, that was the number one goal when we first took over was we, we, we had to, at all costs, recruit higher-level pitching staff and and, um, and then obviously get in and develop them. And, and to, to Coach Server's credit, our pitching coach does a great job with these guys. Uh, every one of our guys who's in our program on the mound has gotten better year to year. And you can really see that um, in, in just about every guy that's out there, whether it's a first-year player who develops in the fall or, you know, it's a second- or third-year player who made a drastic development and improvement, you know, from from the 2017 season. But anytime you can pitch below a four ERA, you're doing something special on the mound. And, and it obviously gives you a good, confident opportunity to win every game. What are, who are some of the guys? I mean, obviously it's it's a combined effort, as I mentioned, 3.57 ERA. But who are some of the guys that are standing out to you this year? Right off the bat, you, you got to start with our start rotation. I mean, we you look around at, at, at some other places, you'll see rotations change and guys move in and out and change in orders. And, uh, we haven't changed our starting rotation all year. It's been the same guys. And Tim Luth, who's a who's a junior college transfer out of. Uh, out of uh, Central Florida, grew up in Tampa area. He's uh, been our, our number one. Uh, Marcelo Batanzas, who's a senior for us, pitched on our weekend last year, has been our number two. And uh, our sophomore, Michael Johnson, is pitching game three. And, and uh, two two of those guys have already have a year of experience of pitching on the weekend. And uh, they've just elevated the, you know, the level of competition and the ability level on the mound. Uh, you start transitioning over to the bullpen, and, you know, I feel confident that we can throw five to six guys, seven guys out there, maybe even eight, really in any point in time and, and have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. I mean, we, I think we've got four different guys with saves this year. Uh, you know, so when you talk about the, the development of Josh Dykeleather from last year, uh, and I think he only threw a handful of innings for us, less than 15 last year. And, uh, he comes out this year and, and really takes hold of that that end-of-the-game closer role for you and, and pitches at, an, at a remarkable level as far as throwing strikes and, and finishing hitters. And Josh Botfield's got a, gosh, I don't know how many appearances now, probably over 30 appearances for us, and he's just an outstanding matchup guy who, you know, you kind of look ahead in the order and, and you get into a, a scary part of the ball game where you know you got to get out of a jam. I mean, he, he's, a, he's an automatic guy to go to because he, he's proven he can get you out of it. And, you know, and then you start talking about other guys who've made big impacts in, of late. Walt Frank Tenero, uh, a junior college transfer out of Florida, uh, 
has pitched some big innings lately when early in the year his innings count was a little low, you know. So uh, you're, you're starting to see that team, uh, inner team competitiveness within the pitching staff. Um, and then you also got to give those those guys that are starting on the midweek a lot of credit. Uh, Jonah OMB is a senior lefty, has, has had an outstanding year in his final year of college baseball. Um, he's pit, you know, pitched an outstanding game over at UNC Greensboro in one of our, our midweek wins. And, um, and then obviously, you know, the way this past weekend went, making up that game, you know, you got to go to your fourth starter on a fourth day, and, and he gave us a quality start in, in a conference game, and you know, and that's the first first or second appearance he's had in a conference weekend all year, and, and pitched outstanding. So, um, it, it truly is a team effort, and I think they have they've really banded together as a group and challenge each other, and you can kind of see them. They want they want to one up each other each week, and I think that breeds a lot of confidence and a lot of it makes it a lot of fun to watch. Ben Hall is the head baseball coach at North Carolina A&T, joins us here on the program. Uh, Hitting-wise, I mean, as I look at the stats here, Donovan Smith, seven home runs for you. He he leads you an average 329. Right behind him is A.J. Perry Hunt, five home runs. He's batting 323. Just talk about some of the, 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 the hitting um, and, um, you know, just, just your thoughts on the hitting so far this year. Yeah, well, we uh... – it was an it was the first for us since I've been here. We we started a little slow this year offensively. I, right. Uh, you know we we weren't doing some things early in the year that that um, that we've typically done in, in the last couple of years that I've been the head coach here and um, you know and it, it's hard to put a, a finger on exactly what it is. You know we got a lot of older guys. I think some guys were pressing early in the year trying to trying to replicate you know numbers they had put up in, in years past and. We had a lot of senior position players, and sometimes seniors will, will mount pressure on themselves beyond what the game already presents. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we got to that middle point of the year, and, it, and you kind of start having those talks with the hitters. You keep working with them and, and get them to kind of convince themselves that, hey, you know, the, the numbers are what they are. Let's just go be productive and, and uh, band together as a group. And, and I think you could start to see the numbers shift a little bit and them come around and start getting big hits that we weren't getting early part of the year. But – uh, you know, Donovan Smith has had a breakout weekend this past weekend Truly, to truly show what his capabilities are. He's such a strong kid. And, um, he can leave the yard at any point in time. He's got huge power. Um, you know, Greg White has, has been a, a pretty consistent stalwart for us at the top of the order and, and been on base. And, um, you know, we've shifted that order around a little bit. I think a, a really neat addition to, to – our production offensively is, is, is our shortstop, Forrest Kimball. We moved him up to the two-hole. His, his batting average has not really been what you would typically think would hit at the top of the order, but, it, but he gets on base. His on-base percentage is really high despite having a low batting average, and, and he runs so good. So, um, yeah, I think our, our, our hitters, it's not, a, it's not a lineup that's going to go out and hit five or six home runs in a game, but um, they've got the chance to beat you over the fence. Uh, we can run, and we can put pressure on defenses. And, and one thing that I'm really proud of this year is we've been really good in the bunk game. And um, it, it's hard for me to even remember a situation where we, we failed to execute a sacrifice bunt. So, um, you know, I think that we're, we're multifaceted. And, um, if we've got to hit it over the fence, we can do that. And if we, you know, if we need to steal a base and sack a guy over and drive a run in, um, you know, over the last four or five weeks, you're starting to see us perform a little better in, in that room. 
I got about 30 seconds. You've beaten Florida A&M the previous three times you've played them, including this past Monday. What is it going to take to get at least two out of three uh, in Tallahassee and, and come away with the Southern Division crown? Well, the, the biggest thing is just to stay in our routine. Um, you know, we don't change the talk. Uh, you know, we in the end, you're just you have to go down and win another series. I mean, that's what what we've been lining up and, and challenging ourselves to do all year. We keep it focused on one game at a time. So we talk about the fact that we're on a business trip and, and we need to wake up uh, under the assumption we're 0-0 on the season. And our job is to go 1-0. and uh, that, That's that simple. Uh, we prepare ourselves for the first game. We don't talk about the series. We just get ourselves ready for game one of, of the series and what we got to do to win that baseball game. And, you know, good uh, Lord willing, if we take care of it, then we'll take 20 to 30 minutes in between the doubleheader and prepare for the next one. Ben Hall in his fourth season as the head baseball coach at A&T joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Hall, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Aggies. Uh, thank you, Donnell. I appreciate it. Go Aggies. Uh, definitely want to see that blue and gold down in Daytona here in the next uh, five or six days. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're talking some NBA. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And before we go any further, I want to say congratulations to Bill Hayes on being inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. Now, this is something we've spoken about here on the program in the past. And, you know, my, my question was always, why wasn't or why isn't Bill Hayes in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. You look at um, the coaching job that he did at Winston-Salem State, and when he left, he was Winston-Salem State's all-time winning as coach. Of course, that uh, Kermit Blunt, one of his former players, came along and and broke that record or became Winston-Salem State's all-time winning as coach. But when he left there, he was WSSU's all-time winning as coach. And then you look at the job that he was able to do at North Carolina A&T, becoming A&T's all-time winning his coach and sending a bunch of players to the National Football League, guys like Maurice Hicks and Maurice Smith and, um, uh, you know, Kwasim Mitchell and, you know, a bunch of guys. And But the thing about it, even, even with all of the success that he had at both Winston-Salem State and North Carolina A&T, a couple of black college national championships – all in 1990 and 1999, three MEAC titles, uh, numerous CIAA titles while at Winston-Salem State. But I, I think one of the things, and, and we had a chance to have Coach Hayes as a guest during our um, HBCU Legends series going back now, maybe some three years ago or so, maybe four years ago or so, Coach Hayes appeared here on the show and but even more so than than what not more so equally as important with respect to what he was able to do at North Carolina A&T and and at Winston-Salem State and the effect that he had on young men's lives and the winning that he did at both institutions. I think one of the things that really goes unnoticed because I've read a couple of articles um, prior to him going to the are uh, being inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame is that he was the first black assistant coach in the ACC. And I think that really goes unnoticed when he became an assistant coach 
at Wake Forest. And you, you got to look at Wake Forest. I mean, Wake Forest pretty much a lot of really, a, 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 you know, I mean, I guess ahead of its time, if you will, or, 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 or more advanced than other schools, shall we say, because I mean, you know, we've talked about this extensively and, um, and with respect to um, opportunities for black coaches, even now, but even, I mean, back in the seventies, that was basically more or less unheard of. And even when, you know, we had Tony Dungy on the program, maybe about 10 years ago or so. And he talked about the lack of assistant coaches at, at during his time in the national football league, when he was an assistant coach and then ultimately uh, he became head coach and then was the first black head coach to win a super to win a Super Bowl. But I think that goes unnoticed. And I say this about Wake Forest because then ultimately they hired Jim Caldwell to be the head coach. And then Jim Caldwell went on to uh, become a head coach with the Colts. And and then ultimately more recently with the Lions in the National Football League. But when you're the first to do something, it's hard because you're 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 setting a precedent for everybody that comes after you. And uh, not only that, you, you, you're going to be treated a certain kind of way. I mean, I can't even believe that, you know, I mean, I, I think about these things sometime and just wonder how we even got to a point where because of skin color, people weren't able to do certain things. How, how do we even get to this point? Number one. But even so, it took all the way till 19 to the 70s. I believe it was 73 or 74 that Bill Hayes became the first black head coach in the ACC at Wake Forest. But all of those things, I mean, that's a history making deal. And all of those things combined enabled him to be in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's it's an it's a it's an honor that, in my opinion, was long overdue, long overdue. I talked about it a couple of times here on the program. And so congratulations, because on last Friday, and I forgot to mention this on last week, Bill Hayes and others were uh, was inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. A couple of things. You know, I, I, we talked last week about the Capitals and the Penguins, and they were locked in this great series and, you know, I'm a Washingtonian, have grew up cheering for the Capitals. And, um, you know, obviously they're playing the Lightning right now. And the series is what it is right now. But, boy, for the Caps to be able to beat the Penguins last week or, or earlier, actually earlier this week to end that series, and it didn't have to go – they ended it in six games. You 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 kind of had that feeling, and, and the Caps have had the, the 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 rivalry between the Caps and the Penguins is one of the best that we have, really, and in, in more so in the playoffs, in all of pro sports, and for the Caps to be able to finally get over the hump against the Penguins was absolute. I mean, it was just great for Washington. I mentioned last week you come around this time. Uh, you, you know that the Caps are going to be in postseason, but will they be able to get out of their own way and, con- to, and be able to continue to advance? We saw them go down two to nothing to Columbus. And, I, you know, when they were down two nothing, I was like, oh, boy, this is what a train wreck of a season. It's not they didn't have the best record as they've had 
as they had last year and, and, and maybe I don't know if they had it the year before that, but maybe two years previous to that. So going back to 2015, it seemed like they just had the best or one of the best records in all of the NHL and then get into the playoffs and eventually ultimately lose to, lose to ping the uh, Penguins and not able to get to the conference finals. So to be able to see the Caps do that, uh, obviously, if you're a Caps fan, you want them to continue on. You want that elusive Stanley Cup. I remember being in Washington back in 1998 when the Caps were really the, I don't even remember who they were playing, but they were the underdogs. And they ultimately ended up going to the Stanley Cup finals and just could not win it. And it's a it's a franchise that's been around since 1974 uh, in Washington and it's never won a Stanley Cup. And so that's the ultimate goal. But I tell you what, to be able to get past um, the Penguins really means a lot there in Washington. So, uh, of course, our listeners on WHUR 96.3 HD2 listening to us. And then, of course, we have uh, we have an affiliate in Tampa as well. Those that listen to us on WURK FM 96.3 enjoy that series between the Caps and and the lightning so a lot of talk about Dwayne Casey and should Dwayne Casey be fired as the head coach of the Raptors I think man I'm not gonna say it's I don't know like I'm not gonna say it's ridiculous but in in a way it is I mean you you got a man that um, led his team to the best record in the Eastern Conference throughout the the this uh, almost throughout the course of the season almost um, obviously the Celtics had done a lot of work and 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 were really rolling at one point but throughout the majority of the season the Raptors were the number one seed and you know that's a tough matchup typically you you figure you know a team like the Cavaliers would have been the number two seed so then in the conference finals you would have had number one versus number two Cleveland slipped a little bit and the bottom line is um, that LeBron James more so and the Cavaliers have just had the Raptors number I mean if you can point to me to and 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 okay so with respect to that last shot, should they have pressured LeBron James a little bit more? Yeah, I think so. Because remember that Cleveland and, and Tyron Lue wisely, this was a wise, you, you have an opportunity. They called that timeout. The game was tied at that point. And instead of the Cavaliers taking the ball at midcourt, they decided to take it the full 94 feet, the full length of the court. And, and that turned out to be absolutely a wise play should the Raptors have pressured LeBron James a little bit more well obviously the answer to that question is yes and in hindsight now what if he misses that shot nobody would have said anything about the fact that they did not pressure LeBron James in the backcourt I mean I you you could maybe point to that as one of the things from an X's and O's standpoint that didn't uh, that maybe Dwayne Casey didn't do well. But other than that, I mean, I think, you know, to me, yes, is it about motivation? It certainly is in being able to motivate your players. But at the same time, these guys have to motivate themselves. DeMar, uh, De, uh, uh, Rosen and 
and Kyle Lowry last year, Kyle Lowry disappeared. He disappeared for the Raptors. This year, he was much better in the playoffs. This time around, DeMar Rosen, you know, he essentially disappeared in the in the closeout game, and he was sitting on the bench. Now, should Rosen have been sitting on the bench? Would I have gone with my star player? I mean, that, and that's another thing you can look at from not necessarily an X's and O's perspective, but from a decision perspective. Should DeMar DeRozan have been in the game towards the end of the game? I think the answer, in my opinion, the answer to that question is yes, because he is your best player, but he just wasn't having a very good game and and uh and Casey decided to go with the guys that he thought gave him an opportunity to win are both of those things fireable offenses I I don't think so I think you have to look at the whole body of work and not just in that particular moment so I'm not with this whole cause about firing Dwayne Casey and Dwayne Casey should be fired he's you know he's 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 the he's going to be the coach of the year I'm not with that. I mean, were there some questionable things? Yes. But if you look at the totality of what he's been able to do, not only this year, but with the Toronto Raptors, I I, I just don't buy into all of that. Before we get out of here, let me give you my predictions. Cavaliers and the Celtics, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Celtics. I know what LeBron James and the Cavaliers have done. I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going with the Celtics and also with respect to the Rockets. And the Warriors, this is going to be a great series, but I'm going to go with the defending champion Warriors. I think they just have too much firepower and more firepower than does the Houston Rockets. Got to get ready to get out of here. I'm from the press box to press row. Thank you to Penny Hardaway for joining us on the program. Also, A&T baseball coach Ben Hall for joining us as well. Have a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Don't cry, mama. The baby boy and weather the storm. And I found peace right here in your arms. By the way, how you getting along? Huh? I know it's been tough bearing the pain since daddy's been gone. But all in all, you still stood tall and never shed a tear. I'm thanking God you're still here. Cause only heaven knows all my heartaches and setbacks. Going from a high school dropout to Chevrolet wet wax. I never gonna forget that. Look in your eyes when you told me that my grandfather died. It was like nothing had happened. And I'm knowing that you miss him, but to accept death was just a sign of a good Christian. And I listened to your words, and I lived it in life. And I take it step by step, but I take it in Christ. Taking it Christ. Knowing I can't make it alone. You told me not to buy your new house because some heaven's your home. And as hurt as I was, I had to smile with you. And thank God that we crossed paths to one strong sister. And I'm never going to forget you. Heaven sent us an angel, and the world won't miss you.